Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode, we got to spend time with the absolutely glorious Allison Russell. I hope you enjoy our interview. Welcome to Why Not Both, and I'm sure that you have done many a recording on Zoom now. <laughs> yes, Zoom life. It's, it's the Zoom life we've all been in for the last 20 months or more. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Zoom life indeed. Though my producer saw you at a music festival, which I was so excited that she went to a music festival and I was so excited to hear about you playing there. And I was like, yes. what was that like? And have you been playing out live more? So cautiously, yes. You know, I mean, I think I, depending on which festival it was, the, the first one that we did was actually Newport Folk Fest. Yeah. And, and it was so wonderful. And of course, that was in the halcyon time before we were fully aware of the Delta surges, depredations. Yeah. And so it felt really wonderful and joyful. And they were doing everything right. You know, it was proof of vaccination and negative tests and, you know, masking in close quarters. And it was outdoor. And it just felt really safe you know at the yeah. time and it i mean it felt safe yet transgressive because of course it was the first gathering of, that that i was part of and um but it also just was so joyful you know to see yeah. uh, to be able to 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 feel the energy the, you know the, the circle of energy that occurs at any uh, hopefully any live show that goes well there's it's you know it's a two it's not a a one-way transmission it's a kind of a a loop of energy that that goes back and forth between you know the creative people on the stage and the creative people in the audience yeah and, um it was just joyful you know it was a real it really did feel like a family reunion you know the folk family oh. uh, reunion and um yeah it was it was wonderful and i was honored to get to curate what you know one of the sets the closing set on the sunday night of newport and Ooh. and so to be able to kind of invite some of the artists that i've admired most and never thought i would get a chance to work with you know someone like shaka khan and yeah. also to invite you know up and uh, sort of up and coming artists that i think are just extraordinary who deserve bigger platforms and more people hearing them folks like Sunny war and yasmin williams and amethyst kia and joy olatican and salise you know like all of these one i was able to adia victoria bring all the kashana um cam franklin you know we i would just was able to bring a lot of women together that i deeply admire just who, whose artistry has has kind of gotten me through tough times in my life and through the pandemic and it was just, yeah. just a joyful thing to get to be in communion again oh I love how you put that in communion like that aspect of the back and forth I think is really lost in like I love live streams like really well done live streams are entrancing to me like especially when people put a lot of effort into like all the different lighting and all this stuff but it's like what it misses is that energy transfer between like the performer and the audience, like that synergistic feeling. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah. Because even though like, obviously, you know that you're watching someone do something live and then the person, you know, as the performer, it's so funny, like I've only done one live stream and I felt kind of like I was playing like 
live band karaoke with my own songs. Yes. Um, <laughs> like I was like, it's like there's this there's this like psychic disconnect there. <laughs> and then there's the strangeness of looking at your own face, sort of mirror imaged, and yeah. trying to <laughs> trying to imagine that you're looking deep into the eyes of someone else who's receiving <laughs> this music. You know, it's it's quite surreal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yes. Like it that's so interesting that you bring that up. I was reading an article last night about how we actually sometimes don't like looking at videos or photographs of us that aren't mirrored because we're so used to looking at ourselves mirrored when we take, for instance, like a selfie. Right. Um, like we sometimes are like, whoa, who is that? Because we're used to looking in a mirror. And so when we see what someone else sees, it like we have this cognitive dissonance about it. And I feel that way sometimes. Like I usually have my camera off on Zoom. Um, and like occasionally it would be nice actually to film like a section of you saying like, hey, so that we can like, you know, put it on socials. But other than that, having yeah. an entire Zoom call, like watching your wow. own face is yeah. so Yeah. <laughs> I always put it on the speaker mode. So then, you know, at least that feels a bit more natural because then your yeah. your face comes on when you're talking. And I get to see you, you know, when you're speaking. And then and then of course when I talk, I have to look at my own face that I don't need to look at anymore. <laughs> but, but you know, it's that, yeah, it's the try and make it as lifelike as possible yes yes because it's so it's very strange the observation of self during this time and I'm so glad that you mentioned like creating this communion of others during a live performance because in a way self-reflection is like amazing and like I'm huge on self-reflection and meditation all those things but like then you have to integrate it into you know when you're interacting with other people yeah exactly yeah, it's, it's, and it's just, you know, I, I definitely am someone with an, an overactive uh, anxiety muscle. And I just, you know, the constant, um, I need to find ways to, to, to not, mm -hmm. to, you know, to not go down the rabbit hole of, of the inner spiral. Right. <laughs> and I, you know, being a mom has really helped with that, obviously, because my daughter, pulls me out of that, you know, she yes. and, and pulls, her, you know, pulls her, her dad and I out of it. And we, we, you know, our pandemic sort of things that we did for, for healing and self-care, we started a garden and we adopted a, um, a rescue puppy and Millie, Millie the Moocher. And she's <laughs> filled the, I mean, she's brought so much joy to the whole family and particularly my daughter, who's seven, you know, she was six when the pandemic began and it was just so tough on her as an only child you know, to be isolated with with all adults and we were lucky in that we had my sister on a Teixeira living with us and my chosen sister Yola mm -hmm. living with us as well and so you know she did have at least these two other adults that weren't her parents to kind of you know bounce bounce things off of um yeah which was helpful you know we we were very lucky to to be together and to be you know to have a space that had that had a big yard where we could where we could dig a garden, grow a garden, and yeah. you know, have, have a, we were really really lucky. We were renting, you know, a house kind of outside of um, Nashville at the time, out in Madison, mm -hmm. that had big almost like an acre behind it. So we oh my goodness really felt our our privilege in that way, having that space during the the intensity of the lockdown. You know, yeah. Yeah, I was we were just reminiscing about that with my band of, you know, that was back when, of course, there were no vaccines yet. And you couldn't even get a test, you know, yeah. you couldn't get a, you couldn't buy a mask. That was when there was the massive shortage of the yeah, yeah. Of the personal protective equipment. And I remember my sister is a is an excellent um, ta sort of tailor seamstress. And so she was making them for frontline workers, you know, wow. out of, out of, <laughs> I just remember all of that time so well. And we were wiping down every grocery ordered and things like yeah. that. Nobody knew then that it was pretty much, you know, airborne respiratory and not, not as worrying on surfaces. And, you know, it just, I just think about all those phases of, as, you know, as the entire scientific community, health community, healthcare community around the world was rallying all the frontline workers trying to figure figure this virus out. And we were all just 
you know, there was no option of trying to hold a safe gathering because there was no right. way to test in and there were no masks right. and there were, you know, all the rest of it. You just had to be locked down. That was it. Yeah. Part of what this, this time has been, That's I found it. myself really struggling with a kind of wave of despair when at the beginning of the Delta surge and the kind of entrenched resistance to the tools that we have to reduce harm of this virus, you know? Yes. And that has been, it was, that was a hard one for me to kind of sort of recover from because it just felt so, you know, the big hope in 2020 was, okay, these vaccines are coming and soon tests will be available and we'll be able to test and contact trace and right. it will, this this is how we get it under control and we'll be able to mask and we'll be you know and now we have all of the tools but but folks have been kind of um you know brainwashed against using them and it's really right. really it really hurts you know because it's like how are we ever going to get out of it if we don't use these tools so that's a, yes yes no so oh. Yeah, it's been interesting, you know, to be and and to, to to the very roundabout long answer to your question that yes, we've had a cautious return to touring, but we've you know I've I've lost nine shows so far because they won't instate basic safety protocol. I I don't feel that it's safe to do a show at this time. Yeah, if there is not a requirement of vaccination or at least negative test, and and masking, you know. I completely agree with you. And you spoke to something, particularly in the back of my mind, I was thinking about your child, that it's like, as adults, we get used to these like ways of thinking that it's like, okay, we can expect what comes next, like we have this base of experience. And so when everything is kind of called into uncertainty, that's like extremely distressing. And basically we've been dealing with now like a year and a half of uncertainty. Yeah. And then it was like, would you like some more uncertainty? And we're like, no, Yeah. no, we've had enough of that. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you said, I, I refer to it the same way, like the halcyon days of June, uh, yeah, that's there was right. like a few weeks where we were like, wow. And then I was like, hmm. Oh I know. I know. Um, and like, contrasted with like for instance like I think about um I think about your daughter and I think about like one of my best friends from high school like the last social event I went to in 2020 was her son's second birthday yeah. and then the next time I saw her was to drive her to her second vaccination appointment with her kiddo because um, her husband was like taking care of his mom. And so she was like, I don't know if I'm going to feel poorly or like if he's allowed to come in with me. So I hadn't seen him for a year. So he's three now. Oh and God. I thought about it. And to us, that was like, yeah, really sucked not being able to see my best friend. Like that was like, oh man, like we've been close since we were 15. This is really weird. Yeah. But for him, that was a third of his life. Yeah. And so real thing. Yeah. 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 And so like, it was like getting reacquainted where like seeing it through his eyes, like he's really great about masking and he like, he's totally like with the program of like how to be COVID safe because like he doesn't have other expectations, whereas like adults have other expectations. And so we have this like completely different view of it yeah. than he does. And so it was really interesting seeing it from his point of view. Like one, he was so excited to see uh, me simply because um, I have a lot of garbage trucks on my street. <laughs> so <laughs> he's into them. He's like, this is great. That was, that was his pandemic experience was like truck watch. Like I got so many videos from her of him, like sitting at the windowsill, just like, and she told me like, there was one day that there were like two trucks, but they got stuck. Cause like one was going one way and one was going the other. And like, they live on a hill and she messaged me and she's like, I swear, this is like his Coachella. That is so <laughs> wonderful. That is so wonderful. We started bird watching. That was our thing. We started feeding all the, all the Tennessee songbirds in the backyard and it was, that was so joyful too. Oh my and, God. And you're right. I just think, let the children lead the way to borrow a line from my friend, Adia Victoria's song, South Gotta Change. You know, let the children lead the way because they are really, I think, showing us, teaching us how to have 
grace within this experience that you're right. We have these expectations and we're tired of it all. And people are in different levels of denial and misbehavior. I was just like, I'm casting such a side eye being like, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Kids are, I mean, we, we, we've, we're in the sort of the belly of the beast here in Tennessee. You know, our state isn't even at 40% vaxxed yet. It's really, and the hospital system is, sorely taxed and it's scary you know it's coming up on the edge of the crisis healthcare mode where doctors have to make the horrible choice of Mm. you know who to treat based on likelihood of survival you know i mean we're not there Mm. yet but it's we're getting much too close to that for my comfort getting to not not many if any icu beds left in most areas you know and and of course, it's we're seeing the same trend. It's ninety percent folks who are unvaccinated and, and and who are now in the hospital on, you know, needing to be intubated or on respirators or you know whatever it is, and and some of them unfortunately not having good outcomes at all. And yeah. it's you know it's it's just so it's and watching grownups I mean, at school board meetings attacking teachers and frontline healthcare workers because they're angry about mask mandates in school you know i mean just behavior you can't imagine and then and then i see the kids and they're all just putting those masks on no problem and they're hanging out at school and they're joyful to be together and they've accepted that this is the protocol that's they're they're doing everything that teachers ask of them hand sanitizing and distancing and staggering their lunches and being really great about you know we all if if one child if there's if there's a breach then you know it's at least 15 people that have to go into lockdown and they're you know we're doing it that's what the kids are doing it the parents are most of the parents are doing it yeah and our you know i'm in awe of the teachers and the administrators at our little community school here um explore community school who are just navigating it with so much care and grace and fortitude and patience because of course they're receiving some you know abusive behavior from some of the the parents who are have kind of you know just lost lost the thread you know lost their perspective entirely and i just think the kids are showing so much more (laughs) uh, you know fortitude and grit and yeah that's that's in this situation than a lot of the adults are exactly like I'm trying so hard to hold space for my friends who are parents and my sister who's a parent like my nieces are both same way like they're completely on board with everything going on simply because they're like oh this is how we get to keep each other safe and see our friends we love that like they just take it at face value that that's like because they're 11 and um eight now Oh, and, wonderful. Yeah. And so it's like, really close. So Ida's seven, she'll be eight at the end of December and her cousin's 11. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase like lost the thread really does capture it where it's like, they're focused on like, like in some ways, what I would consider the important things. Like, do you get to see your friends? Does yeah. everyone get to stay safe? Like those are the things that really, really matter to them trying to be a person during that while supporting your kid is really hard. Yeah, no, it, it was, it's definitely was, was challenging and it is challenging. And there's so many things that are coming up for them and, you know, and fear and anxiety and depression, things that just were, you know, it's the, all of the kids are having fallout from it, I think, but you're right. They're also getting on with it. They're also just like, we want to be together. We yeah. want to have as much life as we can. And if, if wearing the mask all day at school is how we do it, then fine. That's what we're doing. You know, yep. we're not having the same kind of uh, live free or die reaction, you know, <laughs> <That's what laughs> I mean, literally having that reaction. It's like, oh. oh my God. Have you found that like any of this has made you turn to creation or has it made you like pause on creation? I guess like what's been your relationship with creating songs during this time? No, I've been, I've been writing a lot. I've been writing a lot and I've been songs and poetry and, and prose. I've kind of, I've actually begun 
writing a memoir <gasps> that's kind of interspersed with poetry and just recently um you know had a literary agent approach me about it and so i've begun working mm -hmm. with this wonderful uh literary agent named meg thompson and i'm i'm currently working on a, a book proposal Ooh. i'm trying to finish uh sort of by mid mid-month we'll, we'll see how i go because it's it's a little bit challenging with with the touring schedule as well but and, and yeah. the novel schedule but um it has been really therapeutic for me just to to kind of you know take stock of what are the things that i do have control over and what are the things that bring me a measure of peace mm -hmm. and you know of course when all of our i mean the first thing that i understood was how fragile our sort of working class subsistence touring uh business model oh. was and how 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 frail and and easily easily undone it was you know when the yeah. lockdown happened and we just were very lucky to have a community that kind of rallied around and helped us by coming to live streams and you know buying merch and things like that and we had friend a dear friend who actually loaned us some money and you know it was it was but it was a real revelatory like we're our existence is more precarious than we want to admit that it is yeah. you know that's one of the things i think about a lot too in this country in particular a lot of people who are working poor or working class want to think of themselves as middle class mm -hmm. you know, and folks that are middle class want to think of themselves as wealthy and it's just often not the case you know it's most many people are in a position where if there's three months without work the reserves are gone Many gone. people are in a position where there are no reserves in the first place yeah and and so i think that we are seeing the you know the the weaknesses of a of a of the system that has very little safety net or social safety net you know right and, and that there's there's no shame to a social safety net and i no. think that that, that all kinds yeah. of people need that at, in, in in who didn't realize they did yes yes um, and who maybe have looked down upon the the necessity for such in, in times past and have now realized their own vulnerability you know yes and i think that that's a difficult thing to navigate and then trying to figure out well what okay what are ways that we can what are the things we can do in this moment of lockdown of uncertainty of and one thing that we could do is keep writing you know yeah. and we could keep trying to reach out to the the community that we have have found painstakingly over many years of touring and collaboration and um you know forming meaningful intentional coalition and that was sort of what I relied on in the pandemic was just reaching out to people, you know, who's, who's, who were further along a path or maybe who could, might be willing to open a door or knock on a door for me. You know, I yeah. did my outside child record where I just started sending it to people that I thought might be receptive to it. And that led to eventually my friend, Randy Carlisle calling fantasy records and saying, I think you should listen to this record. And that led to, yeah me being signed as a solo artist, you know, and which led to our being able to, you know, pay, pay our rent and eventually yeah. our mortgage and, you know, make sure our child had good food. And yeah. Good medical care and all of the rest of it like that, you know, it, it changed, it lifted us out of pretty abject poverty you know, in the middle of the pandemic, my get my record getting signed. And that happened through the channels of, you know, the circles of chosen friends and family, my artist community. Yeah. Kind of seeing and hearing me and choosing to help at a time when I needed it. Oh, I just like, I just had my hands on my heart. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> That's that web of support is something that is so vital and that I feel like is undervalued in like kind of the idea of like hustle and have no safety net and it's all about the individual and like 
essentially you had spoken to like the extreme individualistic freedom is actually death. And it's like, this is the opposite where it's like, when we realize that we are interdependent, that's when we can actually like each ironically individually succeed by communally succeeding. (laughs) Like when you, when you come together in that web, like, I'm like, Oh my God, first off, I'm so excited for you. I was just like, yes, that's like, mm, that's juicy. Um, but also I'm like, just noting that it's because of the connections that you made with other people and that other people valued that connection. And they were like, Ooh, I value you. And I value your art. Let me see what happens next. Let me give this to someone else. Let me, and it's like passing through all those little nodes. That's right. Exactly. And again, once again, it's like, we are not islands. We are interdependent completely and utterly. And that can feel scary, but it can also feel incredibly empowering and, and, and healing and gives us all a measure of safety when we acknowledge that interdependence and those bonds with responsibility and care and mindfulness, you know? Yeah. It's such a diff. It doesn't have to be terrifying and awful. You know, we are family no matter what, and we get to choose, like, do we want to be really abusive and dysfunctional, you know, or do we want to try and treat each other as equals with loving care, you know? Yeah. It reminds me of the human version. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, we, we have a choice. And like, I think about the default mode of it's weird, weird thought. Why is my brain like this? But like of trees in a forest, because like trees don't really have the option of not being interconnected because they're all connected like underground by like the entire like mushroom and fungus network. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's literally where my brain went. I was just like, I, I was love just, that your brain went there. <laughs> I was like, and trees, their default mode is just to get along with each other in the forest. They're like, well, cool, we're connected. That's that's why when people are like, how did the trees all grow the same way? I'm like, oh, they actually communicate through um, mushrooms. Um, <laughs> I love. Are you familiar with the sheldrake family? No, you would love. I I, I don't know all of the the, the 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 dad is Rupert Sheldrake, and he is, I believe, I don't know if he's a chemical biologist. He's he's some kind of biologist, and he has a whole theory of morphic resonance, which is essentially this this kind of uh, transmission of knowledge between members of a species in ways that cannot be accounted for just based on language or observation that there's a kind of an osmosis that occurs. And he observed this with crows, for example, or communities of starlings in the UK, things like if one group of crows figured out to throw a nut in the road and a car would drive over it, that within you know, an, an, a shockingly short amount of time, like not enough time for members of that murder to have interacted with yeah, them. Yeah, all of the other murders of crows know how to do it. Know how to do that. And so he has um, this whole theory of morphic resonance and he kind of got, there, there's parts of, of the kind of academia or the, who, are, who are, who kind of think of his theories as, as being sort of out there or woo-woo, but you know, he, he will argue, well, it's no different than how people thought about the idea of a field of gravity or a field of electricity in their, you know, before mm-hmm. that well-established um, fact. And so he's interesting. And then his son is is a mycology language of forests guy. And I, oh my God. I, I believe his son's name is Merlin Sheldrake. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's his name. And and he Amazing. is he is the language of forests and 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 my and mushrooms expert guy. <laughs> Excellent. I will go find him. And that, yeah. that I could not imagine a more perfect name for someone who does that. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Merlin Sheldrake. Yes. <laughs> it is really quite wonderful. Yeah. Isn't there and, a musician Cosmo Sheldrake? Oh, maybe there is. There might be two sons. So I oh might mix them up. There, there may be more than one son. And I'm sure the other son would have a wonderful name like that. <laughs> that would, I was like, if this is all the same family, I'm going to be just so. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you that. know what? I'm going to look it up right now because I'm pretty sure that it is. Let me look up the Sheldrake family. They're extraordinary. Oh there may well be two two sons. There may as well be two Sheldrakes. And, Sheldrake and I'm like, family. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, can we be more like that and more like the trees where it's like, there is a cosmo. There is a cosmo. 
Cosmo Sheldrake and Merlin Sheldrake. And I believe those are both the sons. Let's see. Oh my goodness. Yeah, so Cosmo is a uh, a musician. I love this. And, yeah, and he is the, and his brother is the biologist Merlin Sheldrake. So Merlin is the language of the forests and the trees, and Cosmo is a musician and a composer. What? <laughs> And they're all, it's all the same family. Their dad is Rupert Sheldrake and their mom is Jill Purse and she's a voice teacher. Oh yeah. my goodness. So children of a, of a musician and a, and a, and a visionary biologist <laughs> doing oh my God. their lives. Yeah. This is like the best. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. <laughs> they're a family I very much would love to meet one day. I just, they just, they, they fill me with hope for humanity. Let's do it. Let's go on a journey. We're going. <laughs> yeah. Going on an adventure to meet the Sheldrakes. <laughs> they don't know it yet, but we they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kindred spirits. Oh my gosh. I was like, that's, that's more of what I want to channel is that kind of that interwoven interconnectedness because that kind of like serendipity and absurdity is I don't know about you but that's like what fuels me like as long as I have like an instance of that at least once a day I'm just like yeah we good we're good <laughs> we're good we're on the right path yes absolutely oh my gosh absolutely. that's, that's <laughs> where my creativity comes from frankly is that like you know it's not something that one should necessarily be a trying to chase. I find that if you try to chase creativity, it kind of goes, no, it runs away. Um, whereas when you just are like, oh, I'm just going to let something happen. Like I did not anticipate that somehow my brain would pull up the name Cosmo Sheldrake. Cause I, I don't know if I've even heard his music. I just remember that name. <laughs> it's a memorable name. It really is. Yeah. It's stuck in my mind. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, now we get to go on an exciting adventure of exploring this family. And now we get to talk about like trees and mycology. <laughs> like... Great. It's so good. Well, we can learn so much. I mean, and this is the problem with our hierarchical thinking, you know, that this, this notion that we as humans are somehow in dominion over all the other living beings of the planet that we are completely dependent upon is, is a very toxic notion, I think. Oh, yes. and, and it leads us astray. And it causes us to not see the sort of teachings and wisdom all around us, including in how a forest communicates, you know? Yes. And, and I think that we are in a transitional period of our, of our human evolution and our human family. I really think that. I think we're at a precipice where we are either going to evolve and, and start valuing expanding our consciousness more and our connections and our empathy and our sense of responsibility and and interwoven interdependent interconnectedness with all the living things on our planet or we will continue on a self-destruct course you know because yeah. i you know let's face it there's a pattern of mass extinctions on our planet and we are next in line if we don't get out of our tailspin that's yeah that's what popped in my mind was like in behaviorism, there's the phrase extinction burst, which is when it's essentially like, and I'm sure you went through this with your kiddo, where like we sometimes turn to negative behaviors to try to get to a goal, um, whether that be like whining or yelling or screaming or whatever it is, like tantruming. Yeah. Um, and what you can do is like a parent or <laughs> I was like parenting tip for people. If your kiddo is tantruming, align with them and say like, I see you're so upset. I hear you, but don't do whatever the thing is that they want you to do. <laughs> like right. you can validate the emotion without like feeding the tantrum. It's like, and then uh, when they see over and over again, like that this behavior is not going to get them the thing that they actually wanted. Usually they stop, but they okay. have what's called an extinction burst where they might try amplifying that behavior. Yeah. Um, and then once they find that that doesn't actually get them to their goal, they cease the behavior. And what helps them feel safe is that you're like, you're acceptable as a person. It's just that, you know, like screaming at me isn't going to get you what you want. And so then the person stops screaming after a while. Yeah. Um, that and is, I needed to hear that right now. <laughs> <laughs> I really did. <laughs> We've been having some extinction bursts lately. Yep. <laughs> About the strangest things toothbrushing, getting dressed in the morning. Yes. Really? 
we're back here we were past this i swear we were past this you're like that's what's bothering you today could oh, it be that it's something else yeah, it's <laughs> really like, upsetting you? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's like, you know, and sometimes even with kiddos, especially if you validate, like you're really upset. Sometimes they're like, oh God, I am. And then they cry and then they're, and then you comfort them and they're done. Um, and so, cause maybe they're upset about something else, but like the, the way that they express it is I don't want to brush my teeth now. Right. <laughs> like, but like, yeah, it's basically helping a kid have vocabulary for what's going on when they're like feeling some big feels. Um, right. and humans, yeah. <laughs> humans as a whole are kind of doing that right now where we're having some pretty big feelings. And what popped in my head was, I was just like, it's going to be interesting to see like who survives the extinction burst. Cause like the people who are adapting to the circumstance like you said learning from our kids in a way yeah have a much better chance of survival like psychologically and physically than people who are resisting change that's right and we're seeing it i mean we're actually seeing it play out in real time which is just so it's just tragic you know yeah yeah and it's like we want to save the people who aren't uh wanting to be saved and you're just like don't don't you want to like get on the life raft like there's a life raft. There is. It's it's right here. It's free. Here. It's free. It's all over the place. And there's every other country is desperate for this life raft. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know? And yeah. like same thing with like alternative sources of energy and like different ways. Like I love that you're growing a garden. I've been trying to figure out how to like. I actually found this really cool. It looks kind of like a space tower. Um, system of how to like grow vegetables at my place because I basically I live in a condo in West Hollywood. Like I don't have. The space I could put a garden in, but I was like, how do I make it more sustainable? Like I buy farm boxes, but now that I'm not like early in the pandemic, I was potted with a few friends and it was like for months, like those were the only three people I saw, um, which boy, was that an experience? We were like, wow, this is like Gilligan's Island, but like the apocalypse edition. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, it does, it, it's, it's such a fascinating, you, you, the, your relationships change. Oh my like God. How you value those relationships changes and you realize it's a really, it's a clarifier in a lot of ways, isn't it? Of like, who are the people I really, really want to manage to, to stay close to somehow? Yeah. Even if that's just checking in on Zoom every week or it's, you know, whatever it is, it's a real clarifier. Like who is actually, who are those chosen family members? You know, we all have them. Yeah. Who are they? And, and very quickly you realize when energy is sort of at a premium, when everyone's trying to kind of manage their levels of exhaustion and despair and grief. Yeah. uh, You realize it's a clarifying thing. Like who is, who is part of that? You know, we all have an inner circle of the people we feel really safe with and and seen by and want to see and, you know, all of that we resonate with in a deeper way, you know? Yeah, and, and it's gone. Going yeah. through something like that, I love that you said that, like, your sister and your chosen sister were there and, like, that it's, like, it, I'm trying to even describe, like, it's not even necessarily, I mean, in some ways it's a trauma bond because you went through trauma together, but it's, like, there was something that like, I wouldn't have, if you had told me to pick like my dream team, um, not that I don't love the people I was potted with, but like, we didn't know each other that well before we were potted. The reason why we potted is that we'd all been co-working together. We all are in creative fields and we'd all been kind of like all up in each other's biz. Basically. If one of us has it, all of us do. Cause we've been like, (laughs) we've been in very close proximity for like several days and we're like, you know, our other option is like, we all kind of go it alone, but like, why not just be a team? <laughs> yeah, it makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. Yeah. And of so course. Yeah. And then you're in it. And then suddenly it's like a, it's like a fascinating social experiment of we actually didn't know each other that well. And now we are literally closer than most families have to be. North- yes. 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 And yeah. it's like that bond I'm curious how it changed like your relationships going forward now that like you can see other people. It's like, it's weird because in a way I will always have this bond with these three people. We all went through something so momentous together that there's this like little, like there's this tie between us that will never, like you can't untie it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> like... <laughs>
it's like this little magic spell. And like, I think about that in regards to, I love that you said that your, your daughter at least had other adults to like bounce things off of, but like she didn't have other kids for a while. And it was really hard for her. She got, there was a period in the lockdown where she was really upset with her dad and I for never having any other kids, you know, I'm an only child. And, and it was really heartbreaking. And then we broke down and got a rescue puppy. Yes. <laughs> and that was, has been the most joyful for the whole family. You know? oh. and, and the importance of having something that takes you out of yourself. It's the same for a child. You know, there, yeah. he, he was this, this being that needed her more than she needed to feel, you know, sorry for herself or upset for herself. Right. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. puppy needs love and care and, guidance and walks and play time every day you know it doesn't yep. matter and and okay. it just yeah it pulled all of us into a, a much happier emotional state just really Millie's presence you know oh that's I was like in that pulling your pulling yourself out of that state because like when you are writing like first off I'm like oh my god I'm really excited to read your memoir that you're in the midst of making, I was like, can it be done yet? So I can read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to work on it. I'm like, trying to keep at it every day. Like, oh my God, I want to read it. Um, but like that idea of taking yourself out of yourself, weirdly, like that actually helps with creativity. It's like, you kind of have to forget yourself to create stuff a lot of the time. Right, get out of your own way. My friend Kashana, I don't know if you know Kashana's music. She's incredible. She started out, um, and she still is, a music therapist. And she worked uh, and continues to work closely with women who have been incarcerated and does songwriting programs with them as a way to, you know, process trauma. Wow. And that that is how she began began her songwriting career was she she sort of came to it through music therapy. And she's a, a brilliant songwriter. She's featured on Adia Victoria's new record which uh, which is a stunning record called the southern gothic and she's featured on there um but she is such a a graceful wise person and one of the things she mentioned the other day we were doing a panel at americana fest and she said that she has a mantra every time she goes on stage and that's you know please let me get out of my let me get out of the way Because, I love that. Isn't that beautiful? Because it's it didn't get out of the way. Don't get it of of that, you know, that that flow that that can occur, that creative flow that can occur, you know, between someone presenting something and someone receiving it. And mm. um, you know, that that is holy. There, there's something very sacred about that when we take too much kind of self-observation and ego and insecurity out of it. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful mantra. Someone who I'm, I don't know if it's like stage fright or a holdover from classical piano when I was a kid. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) but every time before I go on stage, I'm always like, is this the time that I forget how to like play the piano slash sing slash breathe slash be alive question mark? Yeah. Um, And needless to say, I I haven't died yet from performing. No, Um, I can imagine that there would be a lot of a lot of residual uh, anxiety around those. I've never been so scared for anyone as going to see my friends recitals. Oh, my God. They were the pressure of it and the competition element. I haven't. I mean, to this day, it's like anathema to me. Music as blood sport or competition. I just can't. I can't even watch. I can't watch those shows, you know, the. The, 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 oh like american idol and like stuff yeah. like oh gosh yeah. Yeah. i just can't do it it just it really like upsets me and i feel so awful for people and they always you know this gratuit camera in someone's face as they're sobbing and their dream is shattered and oh. not cannot handle it me it's like the opposite of what music is for me you know yeah. Oh, you just articulated that so well. I couldn't figure out why it was that I didn't like those. And when you're a musician, I'm sure you've gotten the same thing where people are like, oh, if you're upset about being on the voice, and I'm just like, no, <laughs> go away. <laughs> you, you could not pay me enough to do it, I don't think. You know, you could, maybe you could test that out. But I don't <laughs> think. You know, I was like, how much would it have to be to subtract myself? 
to something that like destabilizes and makes me feel like the you know that's the joy of life is gone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh, it's like uh, the joy of music is not even you know it's an interesting thing even things like um i have i've come to have a different feeling around awards ceremonies because i've realized that competition is just a very super it's not really about that that it's really about a gathering of a community and a kind of a consolidating of a coalition and mm. and peers recognizing each other and uplifting each other and like that's really what it's about you know it, at its best not yeah. the kind of uh, flimsy notion of a competition of comparing, you know, apples and oranges, because how can you compare two okay. artists really ever, <laughs> you know, so that always confused me. I'm like, but, the, the, but everyone's their own thing. That's, that's, that's why we make stuff. <laughs> and, and, the, and the, you know, it's, they can coexist and it can be, you know, people take from it what they will, but what I've, I've come to this, I was so grateful for that award ceremony the other day here at, at Americana Fest last week. And because it, it again, once again, similar to the Newport Folk Festival, it just felt like this beautiful, grateful family reunion, you know, oh. I was so uplifted by, by so many of the performances and the other artists. And it was just a joyful, joyful thing. That's beautiful. And I just, the getting out of your own way is so critical. I was just like, how do you get out of your own way? And I'm like, adopting a dog sounds like an excellent way to get out of your own way. I highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. Oh my God. I just imagine like, you know, before a set being like, all right, get a walk the dog. That's going to get me back to like normal levels. And then I can go and play. Right. Little road dog. That's right. Oh, oh such a beautiful sentiment. And like, in regards to even when you're on your own, like working, you know, in a way it's interesting to think of the idea even of like working from home as a creative, um, because that's kind of what we low key do all the time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I, I left about, you know, a lot of couples didn't survive the closeness of the pandemic, but for us, it was like, this is more space than we ever have. <laughs> we were stuck in our van, you know, we were, we were not doing glamorous touring. We were, <laughs> touring, you know, in, in the old Chevy or Ford Express or the Ford Express van or whatever, you know, so it was not, it was like all of us clumped together and Oh my so God. Usually this is like, this is incredible. We have a whole house where you can, I can go in one room, you can go in another. <laughs> I can go outside, you can be inside, you know, so. Oh my God. There's more space than we ever have. Exactly. Exactly. And like that people weren't used to in some ways, like the intimacy of being with each other. Like I watched, I mean, like spoiler alert, uh, my day job is I'm a therapist. And so like, watching people and being in this experience myself like watching people realize like who they actually were intimate with and who they weren't and also redefining that intimacy because of the circumstance was like wild yeah yeah <laughs> it was, it's yeah just a whole thing right it was this like bird's eye view of like it's so interesting what you said that you're like, from your perspective, you're like, wow, look at all this space. Whereas from other people's perspective, sometimes they were like, oh my God, I haven't spent this much time with my partner in years. And I just realized I don't really know my partner. <laughs> That's right. It's like, have we grown too far apart? <laughs> like, What's going on? <laughs> I'm like, for some people, it was really like a joyous time in a way to get to know their person, even with like, obviously like there was the you know, radio static of horrifying stress. Um, but like, there was also joy in being like, wait, I actually get to spend the time to, to get to know myself and my people around me again. Yeah. Like we right. haven't had. Yes. And that's beautiful too. Just the, the, the rediscovery of the importance of our interpersonal, like that's actually our wealth is our, yes. our, our interpersonal connections that's the because what good is any amount of wealth if you are alone and yes have none of that have none of that outlet of you know and just think some people that were just and I don't mean just physically alone but really not having those people that you can reach out to or 
Yes. People that, that you value so deeply and that value you, you know, yeah. about that, that to me is the deep, the, the, sort of the worst tragedy is the, the isolation that some folks have experienced who, who, who didn't, you know, who haven't for whatever reason been able to form those close relationships, you know? Yeah. Like how you were talking about, like, and it was so poignant hearing about the journey of your album and being signed that it really was because of those interpersonal relationships. And I can hear how much you really do feel for the people that don't have that. And I'm like, oh my God, I was like, how do we cultivate more of that for people? Because I agree, there's, there's people out there who don't have that web. And I'm like, but everyone deserves the web. <laughs> like, <laughs> No, they do. And I just think it's not, it's not, it's not valued enough we don't speak of it enough as, as the importance of it and and yeah. i do think in america there is such um an intense emphasis on individualism that yeah. any sort of talk of the social fabric is seen as as you know socialism big s communism big c you know some right. sort of terrible red threat or something you know right. <laughs> it's and right it, it's it, i think it has really skewed just the importance of of community you know yeah and in the most basic sense of the word we, we need we, we we don't thrive without some form of community we just don't it's well documented, you know. I was gonna say it's you know it's kind of writ large over history that when people don't have community, that's when things go awry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yay for community! <laughs> yes. It makes us thrive. It makes us creative and empathetic, and those are really good things. Those aren't I. <sighs> When you said like socialism with a big S and communism with a big C, I was just like, yeah. And then there's the people that think that they're the same thing. They're not. (laughs) There's also that confusion where I'm just like, what happened that there's a large swath of Americans that think that those are the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's so true. I'm like, no, no, we just want to actually help each other all survive because when we survive as a community, that benefits the individual too interdependence exactly 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 oh it has been an immense pleasure getting to talk to you oh you too it's so lovely thank you again for listening to this episode of why not both if you liked what you heard please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform you can also come hang out with us on social media we are at wnb the podcast both on instagram and on twitter This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Thank you.